0: How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Reagan Harrell, and welcome in to another episode of Suncast, covering the Sun Conference. We'll go by the full name, we'll go by the full government legal name. I feel like we're all on first and last name basis here at this point. Ladies and gentlemen, I had a couple of different ideas for this episode, because we have two amazing interviews. Beautiful, wonderful interviews, two successful guys, both out of Miami, gardens. First off, we have Coach Gregory Stanback of Florida Memorial University, women ba- women's basketball coach down there. They are having an incredible season. Had a great interview with Coach Stanback. And then after that interview, we'll go straight into another interview with co- with not coach, I'm sorry, with track athlete down at Saint Thomas University, Isaac Joseph Isaac is a great young man he is I believe a four-time Sun Conference champion entering his last year with the Bobcats and something really interesting a little tease that episode or not episode but to that interview Isaac is a part of the Haiti national team and he is currently looking to go to, to uh, Paris I believe is where the 2024 Olympics are at we get to talk a little bit about qualifications what he needs to do to get there uh, some of his goals for the Sun Conference, and then with Coach Stanback, we talk about an incredible Florida Memorial women's basketball team. But I wanted to start this episode off with, because I don't get to usually do this. Uh, I, you know, I, I say stuff on here every now and then, and you know, it's kind of like throwing darts at a wall. Sometimes they stick, and sometimes they don't. You know, sometimes I say things and I turn out to be foolish, and they, they're wrong. That's kind of part of the gig when you're talking about sports. That's going to happen. You're going to be wrong. But, every now and then, you say something that a lot of people don't agree with. A lot of people may think that's the incorrect thing to say. Probably is. Probably is the wrong take. And sometimes you have to sit on those takes for a long time for them to come right. And sometimes, they happen within 24 hours. On the last episode of Suncast, I got on here and I told all of y'all that, well, the most competitive sport that I've seen so far... In this conference, and so go back to spring of last year through fall of last year and so far into this year, it's men's basketball. Basketball in a whole, women's too, but especially on the men's basketball side. This is the most competitive sport in the Sun Conference, top to bottom. People did not agree with that. You know, People said, well, football was really competitive this year. Baseball was extremely competitive last year. We'll be competitive this year and went on and on. I said, no, I agree with you all. It, It is competitive across the Sun Conference, I don't think there's really any teams outside of Kaiser women's soccer that anybody came in the year and is just like hammer them no doubt about it. You could look maybe Southeastern with baseball, but, you know, at least with them, with baseball, they're, they, they, they stick out, but there's teams close. My point is, there's none of that with men's basketball. These teams are as close as close gets. We saw it. Let's see. Let's go through the upset. How about we look at the top of the standings? Top two teams coming in to the Sun Conference this weekend. Weber International. Now, a little asterisk next to this game. I'm going to give Weber a little bit of an asterisk because they went down to St. Thomas, played, you can argue, top three, top four team. But, like I said, we're splitting hairs in the Bobcats. Bobcats were really well-rested, didn't play any midweek games. Definitely not on Thursday. I could be wrong. They may have played on Monday or Tuesday or last week, but they definitely didn't play on Thursday the way Weber played an absolute gunslinging match Thursday for against Florida Memorial before traveling down on the road playing St. Thomas. A little bit of an asterisk, but still, it showed the conference is very, very deep. And then you look at the other team at top. Thomas uh, is the flower falling off of the bloom. I, we're not saying it yet. We're not going to say it's fallen off yet, but... Let's look back at the beginning of the year. They were picked. They were predicted to pick last in this conference, not by me, but the Sun Conference coaches. They were picked to finish last. Obviously, miraculous start to the Sun Conference schedule. Six and zero. It is kind of like with Kansas football. You know, if you're college football fans, you remember Kansas? That was awesome. Nobody expected them to start six and zero. College Game Day in Lawrence. What? It was awesome. And then we see this Thomas team. They're doing great. It's awesome. Don't get me wrong. They're doing. They have exceeded expectations already so far. But. You lose the Weber respect, respect. You know Weber's really good this year, right? You got to beat Coastal Georgia. You at home, away, neutral. If you're the Thomas I Hawks, you got to beat Coastal. But because this conference, and that's not just called Coastal, but if you're tied for first in the conference, you can't lose to the team finished dead last in the middle of conference play. You can't do that in this race. It does not work. And it happened to them. Why? Because men's basketball in the Sun Conference is unbelievably deep. It's deep. Its bag is as deep as deep gets. They got a bag deeper than Shohei Atani. That's how deep this conference is. Now, is there elite competition? Yeah. I almost said no, but yeah, there is elite competition. Is there a team in this conference in men's basketball that can win the national title? I don't think so. No. That's not the point. The point is... This is excellent athletics. This is going to be an excellent stretch this next month and then into the conference tournament. This is your PSA now. If you have not been paying attention to men's basketball in this conference, it is time to start paying attention. And if you don't like basketball, then quite frankly, you're not going to like Suncast the next few episodes. That's just how it is. We have, Like I said, we have Coach Stanback on this episode. Next episode, we're going to have Coach Rutledge. And I'm not planning on stopping there. I want to get, We need to start getting some more basketball players. We had on Riley Minix earlier in the year. So, let me know. Who are some basketball players y'all want to hear from? I think Kashawn Stokes is definitely a guy uh, I'm, I'm going to look to. I mean, obviously, Weber guys, it's, you know, kind of, hey, you want to come on? I see him in, in between class, you know, that kind of deal. Oh, y'all thought I was finished. No, 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 no we're not done here. What did I tell y'all was the number one X-factor down the stretch? The number one X-factor, if this happens, this team can win no matter what. If Riley Minix goes off and does Riley Minix things, does first team all NAIA things, they can go beat Kaiser handily, handily dismantle, win by 23, no problem. The team A couple spots above him in the conference, don't think that's the case anymore. And another one, I don't know if this one's necessarily a huge upset the way Ave Maria have been sliding, But if you look at it, it's a lower seed at the time beating a higher seed, which is what happened. Ave Maria, the wheels are starting to fall off the bus a little bit. Starting to look a little rough down the stretch. Oh, huh. looking at women's basketball too, pretty competitive over there too, struggling Southeastern team, which imagine telling somebody six months ago to or a year ago or even a couple months ago, saying that a struggling Southeastern women's basketball team takes care of business against a really good Kaiser team. St. Thomas, arguably the best women's team right up there with Florida Memorial. Only beat Weber by five. There's a Weber team that just played on Thursday against Florida Memorial and lost by 30. And we're starting to see how good this Florida Memorial team is, maybe. I think that, that game tells me anything is that. Coastal Georgia beat Thomas. Um... Yeah, two and 15, one and fifteen. Look, every school has sports they're not great at. That's okay for if that happens to be you. I, hey, it happens. Last year I was part of that that deal with Weber. Not this this past year was great, but my first year at Weber we went two and eight, so it sucks. But sometimes those things happen. All right, I'm basically doing my little uh, runaround parade here. Uh, if y'all are still listening, haven't already skipped to the interview, you're a legend, and I love you. So, we're going to kick it over to myself and Coach Gregory Stanback. And then after that, we're just going to go straight into the interview with Isaac over down down in St. Thomas. Again, two great interviews. Check them out. Thank you all. And we will be back Friday with an awesome interview with Weber International University men's basketball coach Gabriel Rutledge. So, without further ado, here is myself and Coach Gregory Stanback of Florida Memorial University women's basketball. Alright, we welcome on a very special guest to SunCast. It is Florida Memorial Women's Basketball Head Coach Gregory Stanback. Coach, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule. How are you doing today, ma'am?
1: Doing good, doing good. Just glad to be on to share whatever we need to share about our university, our program, and so on and so forth. <laughs>
0: Right, so let's talk a little bit. Do uh, start off. Let's talk about this Florida M- Memorial Women's Basketball Team. Coach, y'all are off to a twelve and five start. You're seven and zero in your last seven Sun Conference games. Just tell us a little bit about the energy and how's it going for your squad down in Miami Gardens.
1: Well, it's going pretty good. Um, you know, we're blessed to have a talented team um uh, the kids work hard they 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 get into it and, and different things like that so we're very happy where our success um I'm happy that our players able to see that their hard work is paying off uh we're not that easy on them uh so they <laughs> uh sometimes they don't see the fruit of their labors but I think they're starting to see it right now uh pan off especially going into the second half of our conference play yeah
0: absolutely you know I I said it on yes on not yesterday's episode but the last episode I am so excited for basketball men's and women's down the stretch uh, you know, I think it's extremely deep in the conference, and we'll get, get into that more a little bit later on. But I did get to see uh, how tough you were firsthand. Uh, you know, I had the headset on when y'all played Weber the other day in Babson Park, but I, I a little bit got, got leaked through. I think I heard heard, heard you say a couple of <laughs> things.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Sometimes you got like, to light the fire under them or just keep them reminded that, hey, we got to still work and do what we need to do. And, and a lot of it just comes down to the harder they work um, I think it'll be hard for teams to guard us and play us because I just think we just work really, really hard on both ends of the court. Yeah, you know, that's something
0: I, I noticed early on watching with y'all. It was, if Weber's going to stay in this, they got to hope Florida Memorial's going to just miss some shots because y'all were just one, very, very hard to get anything on defense. But two, the ability y'all had, it was full effort, full go for the full 40 minutes. It was really impressive. And just had, y'all's pace. And being able to find mismatches like being able to find Worthy down low um, or going out out wide uh, with a couple other young ladies that we're going to get into here in a little bit, it was uh, really impressive. But Coach, let's talk just a little bit about you and your time before Florida Memorial. Uh, you grew up in Pittsburgh, attended Slippery Rock University. That's uh, where you started your coaching career. Tell us a little bit about you know early on at Slippery Rock, and you know what was something maybe early on in your coaching career that shaped you and the coach that you are today.
1: Well, uh, starting out at Slippery Rock well, was a blessing. I went to Slip Rock University on a track scholarship, believe it or not. So mm-hmm. I ran track uh, there for uh, three years, and then going into my sophomore junior year, I got injured with uh, splints, and I knew I wasn't going to be a world class athlete. So at that point, um, a friend of mine, Everett Jackson was doing a little student volunteer with the women's program. And then I started helping out as well with, um, coach Cheryl Kennedy, uh, at Slippery Rock as a student assistant, just coming in, volunteer wherever I can. So that was my first introduction to women's basketball, uh, being able, being. Playing basketball and being around the game, I knew I loved the game. I knew I I wasn't that player that was going to be a Michael Jordan, but I knew I could be a a Casey Jones. I'm a Celtic fan, so I might have to relish the person that got me. My first African-American coach I ever saw was Casey Jones for Boston Celtics. So just watching them and, of course, being a Celtic fan, that's really what got me into coaching. So from there, just being at Slippery Rock and doing the things there, from Slippery Rock led me down here to Florida to teaching. They had a teaching – uh, recruitment fair. They said, come down to Florida, Broward County, and teach. So we came down here and started teaching and from Slipper Rock. I went to uh, Western High School. Then I went to Miramar High School. And from Miramar High School, I went to uh, a short stand at Barry University for about a month. And how I ended up at Florida Memorial is one of my players I sent there to go play. She said, hey, we need a coach. Come coach with us. And I was like, I don't know. I said, I'll do it for a year. <laughs> 14 years later. <laughs> right. That's
0: crazy. Barry. Barry's uh, not. Too far. It's about three and a half, four hours away from. my group. I'm from South Georgia. Barry's up in North Georgia. Beautiful D three uh, program, right? Here.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, it was the Barry down here? Barry University here, Division two down here right. in, Miami, in Miami, Shores, Florida. Right. So, yes, yeah, Barry no. here. Nikki Nikki's fort was the coach at the time that that brought me in. Then she actually got the assistant job at the Paul. So when she got the assistant oh, job wow. at the Paul, they brought their own coaches. So therefore, I was out of a job, and that's how I ended up at Florida Memorial University.
0: Something uh, I can feel your literal literally feel your pain on uh you said shin splints earlier uh I'm a punter for I'm a punter for Weber, and throughout my entire you know high school and my punting career on my left leg, my plant foot, shin splints man, they are the worst they're it's like just most sort of nagging injury, nothing you can really do about them either
1: no, no, nothing unless you have surgery and something like that, and I was like, I'm not doing that uh, I'm, I'm I'm good I'm good I'll, I'll hang up my cleats, my spikes, and call the day. Right, so um, with basketball. I'm sorry. So that's how I got started with basketball.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. One more question, you know, about being up in the Pennsylvania area versus uh, you know, the Florida area. You know, I mean, other than weather, I mean, what, what's something? What's something that you like more about you know being in Miami Gardens and being in Florida than you know, up north?
1: Oh, I get to golf all year round.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Big golf guy, huh?
1: Golf, hands down. I get the golf all the time, so okay. you can't do that. Afterwards. So down here, I, I, if I'm not coaching and not uh working and teaching, I'm golfing.
0: That's yeah, so what uh, you, you find. Me? Now?
1: Well, right now my handicap is a thirteen, so I'm trying to get it down. I think I got to give up either teaching or coaching to get it down a single digit. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't see any time too, but yeah, that that that's where I'm at right now. So I, I love the game. It's you know, for a lot of people, they think, oh, how do you do it? It's like, this it's, it's, it's nerve-wracking, whatever. But even when I'm frustrated myself, it's still peaceful. I find a lot of peace out on the golf course. I love it.
0: Yeah, I, I've started uh, to get into it a little bit more. Definitely after football, I'll get more into it. My biggest problem, I've only been a handful of times, I keep—I can't keep my head down. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that's my biggest problem. My dad said the best way to do it is just tie some fishing string to your ears and put them on the bottom of, bottom of your foot and go out there bare, barefoot. Put treble hooks at the end and that will so oh. keep, keep you from your...
1: Uh, It'll keep your head down for sure, so yeah, that, that's that's part of it. You got to stay in posture. <laughs> right.
0: Uh, coach, I want to talk a little bit more uh, move on to you know Florida Memorial basketball, and uh, I want to talk about, again, the performance that I saw, uh, as y'all posted, y'all second straight 90-point uh, Sun Conference performance against Weber the other night, and I got to see firsthand uh, a couple of players that really stood out to me. Uh, we mentioned Worthy earlier, but uh, Tiana Ayolo and Aaliyah Dean Ahmad said those right, correct? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. All right, just want to double check. I mean, they really stood out on, on the court for me. You know what makes them two of the best players in this conference?
1: Uh, one thing is just their leadership. Uh, both, you know, senior leaders on the team, um, their knowledge of the game, and the the biggest thing is their will to win, uh, willing to put everything on the line to to get it done. Um, they got a high level skill set. Obviously, they're, they're both different in different ways. Uh, where Louis, she can play all five positions. She can take you outside. She can take you on the inside. She just got a calmness to her about her game. Not too overhyped, not too nothing, just a calmness, uh, a calm confidence about her game. Whereas Aaliyah is more of a firecracker. She, she's the fire. She's, she's the one, let's go, let's get after it, let, let, let's get it done. And of course, she can tack the rim. She can shoot the three and has a great mid range shot. So, it, it, with those two, it, it just they're obviously the best players in our conference. They're hard to guard. And then we add in Barnett, then you add in Worthy, and some of the other ones. It's just we are right now, in my opinion, we're hard to guard at all five spots. Yeah. So we just got to figure out who's going to be going that day and, and try to get to the ball as much as we can.
0: I mean, look at your offensive production, not just recently, but I mean, throughout the year, uh, that's not uh, – I that's a very accurate thing to say, uh, very accurate. Yeah. Uh, You talked about that kind of quiet confidence and that leadership. I think quiet confidence, uh, you know, is one of the best traits you can have, especially if you are one of the, you know, just straight up better players on your team. How does having that quiet confidence, uh, you said in Tiana, right?
1: Yes. Yep. Mm
0: -hmm. How how does her having that, you know, how does that impact the rest of the players on the team?
1: Well, I think it takes the pressure off some of our players. Uh, knowing that whatever we do in our offensive sets, if we make sure we get her touches, something good is going to come out of it, whether right. she gets a shot off, get the score, or whether she gets the assist from it. So that's the good thing about it. And just in practice, I think they can just take from just, you know, never let, you know, yourself get rattled so much that it takes you out of your game. And, you know, whether you're having a good game, bad game, or anything like that, just stay consistent and true to what you're doing. And believe it or not, even in that game against Weber, we can see it because we see it every day because we got on her a couple of times. She really wasn't playing her best game. And that's the scary part about it because it was like, all right, you've been a little lazy on defense today. So what's the problems you know, on the offensive end? Just a little too lax of days of Goal and everything. And that's the funny part because what you see is like, is like, oh, she can go. But we're seeing like, what are you doing? Stop doing that. Stop <laughs> doing that footage. Let's go. So that's the that's the good part about it. So So we're happy about that.
0: Well, that's a, there's between a, you know a broadcaster's eye and a coach's eye. The coach's eye is always going, going to see the, the flaw a little bit better.
1: always, always that's just how we are, that's just how we are. but she's a great player, you know played against her for three years before Johnson wills closed. so we're blessed to get her over uh, on our side. she's you know she's just a heck of a player you know just great skill set, great knowledge of the game just like I said, her confidence is just exudes everything that quiet confidence just we'll get it done and go from there. Yes, sir.
0: Yes, yeah, so uh, one of the reasons that I think y'all are having such a great uh, run in conference play is y'all went out and played some really good top ten competition before before Sun Conference play. Uh, y'all, uh, y'all believe, what, uh, what were the two tournaments that y'all uh, went into?
1: Uh, we did our Sun Conference Challenge with the Southern States, so we ended up playing uh, early on. We played Loyola, and we played um, Stillman College. And then over the Christmas break, we uh, played Campbellsville, which was number three uh in the country in Lizzie Wayland. So those 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 teams really helped us. I mean, we weren't full squad at that time. And I think that's a blessing in disguise, uh, because it allowed us to see some of the things that we need to work on were pieces where we can put in different places. And now that where we are with our our full squad, so to speak, we pretty much know where everybody will fit in, in a lot of the number of our plays. So we needed those games uh to give us an idea of one where we're at, but two, more importantly how are we as a team? How are we going to be able to run our offense? How are we going to be able to play defense? What works? What doesn't work? So I think those games early on really helped us. Uh, it was was it was Tiana that was out for a couple of those games, uh, or am I mistaken? Yes. Right. Yes, Tiana was for games, and she's a difference maker. Obviously, right. uh, we we have her in those early games. Uh, we wouldn't be in the position we are right now. So she was she's a big difference maker.
0: Right, I mean, I think yeah, I don't. I think it'd be very, very difficult to find in 25 teams in the country playing better th- than y'all right now. Uh, I mean, that's just you know, Sun Conference guy. Of course, I'm gonna have that a little bit of opinion. Yeah,
1: yeah. Absolutely,
0: uh, yeah, y'all are playing great. Um, you know, wh- what what exactly uh, were wh- you looking? You know, getting to play those top 10 teams. Uh, you know, what were like the main things you know, other than early on getting to see. Uh, like wh- what were you looking to see uh, playing? You know the Campbellvilles, the Loyolas, uh, and getting getting to see you know, top competition. And like, how did that benefit your squad? Uh, also,
1: well, the mo- most important thing is one: seeing how we match up. Uh, mm-hmm. See where we're at. If this is supposed to be the top team in the country, how do we match up with them? And we matched up pretty well. I mean, if we look at the one, especially as far as Campbellsville, you know. They jumped us early. You know, we got came back from break, actually, after the holiday break. We had two days of practice. And once we settled in, we matched them the next three quarters. We just couldn't overcome that 24-7 to 7 first quarter. Mm-hmm. So right then and then, it told me that, okay, we got a pretty good team. We can match up with top teams in the country. Uh, so player for player, uh, going back and forth. Some teams may have a deeper bench than us, but I still think that we match up well. We will do well against anybody in the country. So that was the first thing. Second thing far as confidence. Uh, to get your players play against better talent uh, and see where they play individually. Okay, this person is supposed to be this in the country and you're able to play like that against them or you got to be able to stop this or learn this. Okay, you know what? This is the girl that uh, was averaging 20 and she got 25 on me or I kept her to 15. Those are the things that you're able to see, okay, what can you do, what can not you do, and where you have to get better. So that's why it's always good to play good competition. I was always a believer in that. I got that from Coach Marshall. You know, we, we don't want to play a bunch of cupcakes because that gives a false sense of hope and it doesn't prepare you. Uh, I know a lot of coaches play for records and different things like that. I mean, we do too, but at the end of the day, we got to be ready for conference play. We got to be ready for the national tournament. So, therefore, you got to play these teams to see where you fit and where you match up.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, to add one more uh, thing to add, add on to playing, why it's a benefit to play these teams, recruiting. I, I think when, if you're a top recruit and you're looking at one school versus another and like, Hey, I'll have a chance to consistently be playing top 10 comp- competition outside of the conference year in and year out. I think, I mean, at least for me, that's something I would love to be able to do and go and play that uh, top top competition but coach let's uh let's move on and talk a little bit uh, about your life outside of florida memorial you're also the ceo of stand back athletic consultant so uh, can you please tell us just a little bit about your organization there
1: Uh that's a business i started a while ago um it, it, it's kind of on the tail end and what we okay. used to do we used to do training athletic training we used to, to do the, uh, athletic apparel uh So what we do is go out and train kids in sports-specific sports. So what we, we, we concentrated on at the time was basketball, football, and, and track and field. So basically, you'll come to us just like anybody say, hey, can you train my kid one-on-one in basketball or group sessions? So we did that. And then the other part of the business was dealing with sports apparel, T-shirts, and different things like to the schools or different programs, youth programs, youth organizations. Uh We did a lot of stuff dealing with the youth basketball, whether it's uniforms, t-shirts fundraising packages so things like that
0: i just got a little bit into uh that that deal too just uh drop suncastshop.com i uh, got, got some pretty cool stuff okay. stuff on there some shirts hoodies uh got some other stuff in the work uh maybe a little some cute quarter zips and don't, don't want to release too much but there's definitely I've been, I've been designing a couple different kinds of jerseys Maybe baseball basketball sun, suncast but we'll, we'll, we'll wait for that uh we'll hold off on okay. that for right now but um uh, Coach, I got one one last question for you. Uh, it's something that's um, important to me because HBCUs are uh, just. It's, I attended one before Weber. I attended Lincoln University, and it's a big uh, reason that I think I am the way I am now. You know, being able to attend an HBCU for two years uh, before transferring mm-hmm. back closer to home was a eye-opening cultural experience that. I enjoyed I love so much and uh, had an amazing time at Lincoln University. And I, I love the HBCU culture. And with Florida Memorial being one of the few HBCUs in the NAIA and the only one in the Sun Conference, don't really get that get the opportunity uh, to display that and talk about it too much at the NAIA level. But coach, can you just tell us a little bit about uh, you know the culture of an HBCU and some of your favorite parts about the culture at Florida Memorial?
1: Yeah, I mean, the HBCUs are are, are great, great um, institutions uh, for hiring learning. learning. Uh, our president, Dr. Javis Hartrick, has done an amazing job with our university and everything. And the biggest thing that I tell our players, especially when we're recruiting players, bring them in, you're going to get a family atmosphere that you may not get anywhere else, where everybody's going to know you, they're going to look out for you, and the connections that you can make networking um, just through going to class and playing basketball. Yep. Um, because it's that family atmosphere. How can we help you to help us and everything? So that's the biggest thing that I think um, HBCUs brings. Also, the other part of it is, you know, just being an African-American. It just gives you a different identity of the culture. Um, a lot of the culture that they, these kids get is from mainstream, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, or whatever. But once you get into a university and being around different diverse people within a diverse in a, a university, you start to understand there's so many different aspects to our culture that you can learn that can help you grow, and also just push you into avenues that you never thought you can go in. So that's the biggest thing, you know. I look at our program and the support that we get from our president and from our board members that comes to the game, our board members that sit and talk with the team. You're not going to get that at, at a, a larger institution um, if you're at University of Miami, maybe. I, you may, you may not, but to have your, your board members members there cheering you on, talking to you, and encourage you, it's just something that you know you just don't get everywhere. So that's that's the biggest thing about the HBCU program.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with it more. I mean, the main thing you hit on uh that touched on for me was that family atmosphere. Uh I, I couldn't yeah. agree with that more uh just from top to bottom. Uh you know, very similar when I was at Lincoln. I remember plenty of times playing football there or going to the basketball games. It was, I mean, there there were people there. It was like, oh, that's
1: that's the guy whose name's
0: on, on the on the gym over there, right? Uh yeah, yeah
1: pretty much that that's that's how it is. Uh, Coach Marshall's name is in our locker room, named after him, he still comes around. Um, our, our president, our chairman, our, our um, board member, brother Ray, comes to our game. So it, it's just that intimate atmosphere that you have is just that you wouldn't get at a lot of uh, different other places. And with us being the only HBCU down in South Florida, uh, it, it, it's just a gold mine. I would encourage anybody looking to go anywhere in college, you know, look into an HBCU and, and see if it fits for you, and, and go from there. So it, it's a blessing. Absolutely. Coach, I couldn't agree with you more,
0: uh, especially on that last statement. Uh, And again, just thank you so much for taking uh, time out of your busy schedule. Uh, Hey, good luck the rest of this season. Uh, Look to see you hopefully uh, in the conference tournament and uh, have a good day.
1: All right. You too. Thank you for having me.
0: How's it going, everyone? We welcome on a very special guest. It is Isaac Joseph, St. Thomas University and Haiti national team sprinter. Isaac, thank you so much for uh, joining the program today. How you doing, man?
2: I'm doing pretty good. And yourself?
0: Yes, sir. I, I, hey, man, I'm doing great. Really appreciate you for asking. Appreciate you coming All know the season's uh, just about to be underway. You excited for the season? Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I can't wait. Yeah. Last one. Uh, And, and what was it? Get, I guess like Navy and Burgundy, technically St. Thomas covers? Yeah. Right. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, uh, once again, guys, uh, for those who don't know, Isaac is an incredible athlete. He's been one of the most dominant uh, track runners in the entire NAIA for any conference, but he has been great in the Sun Conference, done, done great things for the Bobcats, and he's done great things for the Haiti national team. We're going to get to all that, but before we get to uh that whole conversation isaac would you just take us to like a little bit more of the basic stuff and just tell us what's kind of your routine on the days and maybe even the weeks before you go into a big event
2: um well i'll take it for from the day the day leading up to the to the meet i always try to get some sleep so i try to sleep in early um around 10 or 11 and then after that i wake up um go through my normal routine i get a I don't like to eat too heavy before I run because I don't like that feeling of feeling heavy. So I'll probably eat half a banana and then maybe a protein shake. And then that'll get me through my races. If I have to run early in the morning or in the afternoon, I'll probably do the same thing. I'll eat something light in the morning and then maybe another protein shake before I run. And that's probably, and I always make sure I drink a lot of water and Pedialyte, make sure I'm hydrated, especially um, a lot of my meats are in South Florida. So it gets really hot when we run in the afternoon. So that's my, my my routine, nothing crazy. And weeks leading up to, to my race, I try to lock in, get some mental cues, make sure that I'm focusing on every single thing I want to do, locking in for my race.
0: You said there at the end, uh, locking into your race and focusing on the little details. Tell us a little bit that the untrained eye to track, like myself, obviously, uh, not exactly the fastest guy on the Weber football team, but uh, can you just tell us a lo- little bit about – uh, the to the untrained eye, what are the biggest things that make a difference on race day?
2: Um, so I'll say the biggest. So we'll say, let's say everyone's you know training the same, doing everything that they need to, that they're um drinking the water, they're eating healthy. The things right. that'll separate the good from the great, I'll say, is basically. The little things like um, the preparation and detail, making sure that you're your own worst critic, I want to say, looking back at your own race film, talking over the game plan with your coach. Because a lot of people don't understand that Like track is an individual sport, but you can't coach yourself in track. So talking with your coach, um, figuring out, okay, this is how I want you to race, knowing your own strengths, and then after that, um, going out there and trying to execute it because that's the hardest part because you could talk about it and prepare for it as much as you want if you don't execute it 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 doesn't really mean anything so I feel like that's the main thing being a coachable athlete and also I want to say body maintenance because a lot of athletes they don't really um focus on body maintenance because there is so much you can get from I guess your own school's um program but making sure that you get some outside help always making sure you're looking at your body um and you're tuning it up
0: yeah, absolutely. You know, b- body maintenance is so crucial. I mean, myself, so many athletes, especially in football, you know, throughout the season, how, how you feel at the beginning of August, or for your case, right now, versus how you're feeling towards the end of your season for me, November, it's not the same. You know, being able to you know, put in that extra couple of hours every week uh definitely makes a difference. Something else you said that really piqued my interest was you know, talking with your coach about the style of running and, like, how you're supposed to run in a game plan going in. Because, you know, like, to the untrained odds like myself, I see that, I see you guys running. It's like, okay, they're just going as fast as they can the whole time. What What's, like, uh, an example of you know, running a race different according to, like, your coach?
2: Um, well, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. On my game plan, my coaches are usually tell me is something that I struggled with because it takes a lot of like practice and like trying to practice the right things to get this to as close as efficient as possible down the track. So Mm -hmm. my thing is my coach would always tell me because he, he trusts my top end speed. So my coach, my coaches would always tell me to always be patient and not to, to rush the race because it's a hundred meters, not 40 yards, not 30 meters. So to just be patient because once you set up that acceleration, Then later on down the track, your momentum is going to carry you. So a lot of times it just tell me to be patient, not to rush, not to base my race strategy on someone else. But if you see someone pop up, you don't want to um, get right up because what we're really doing is we're decelerating down the track. And it's who could decelerate the fastest um, is the one who's going to win the race. So that's what my coaches usually will tell me.
0: Yeah, that's why what you said earlier, you have to be your own worst critic because, yeah, you're racing against other people, but it's really you versus you. I'm sure a lot of times, like your training, it's working on the timing, not necessarily, okay, be faster every single time, but work on that timing of when to accelerate or whether you want to start that acceleration at 40 yards, 50 yards uh, or meters, I should say, however you want to go about that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your home country of Haiti. You run track for the national team. You you're obviously really one of the best in the country. What's what does it mean to you? And like what are the emotions that you feel when you put on the Haitian colors and rep your country on the track?
2: Oh man, well, it's one of the biggest honors um to run for a country and especially my country of Haiti, because I lived there when I was a kid. And but we had to, you know, do hardships and things like that. We had to move to Miami. And I've been in Miami ever since. And just being able to represent my parents' home country and where I grew up in has been a blessing in disguise because, um, you know, Haiti's going through a lot right now and we're continuously seen as like a country of hardship, but we're strong people. So being able to represent them and being able to, to, well, I'm starting to, I want to be a symbol for them on the track. So I'm really trying to make this season probably one of my best seasons ever just to show them that, you know, a Haitian, a person, a symbol, figure could do that, then I can do it too. So that, that's probably what I feel when I wear it. It's a sense of pride. If I had a chance to run for any other country, I would still pick Haiti just because it's just, we're, we're strong people. We're, we're people that that people don't really see too often. And I want to be able to put them on that stage that they're starting to be like, okay, they have a sprinter or multiple sprinters that's representing Haiti. And they're they are really um, trying to make some noise this season.
0: I tell you, that's a beautiful message, man. I mean, being able to represent your home country is truly one of the most special things anybody can do. And I can obviously tell how much it means to you. And you've done an excellent job repping Haiti at St. Thomas in the Sun Conference and across the NAI. But you are looking to take that next step and really start repping Haiti on the biggest stage as you're looking to go to Paris for the 2026 Olympics. Can you tell tell me, a or excuse me, 2000, is it 2024 or 26?
2: 2024.
0: Yeah. 24. I thought so. Okay. So you tell me,
2: uh,
0: right. Can you tell me a little bit about Mm -hmm. like Olympic qualifiers and what you need to do to make it to France?
2: So basically the standards, um, it's like a whole breakdown. So basically they want 50% is to hit the standard, which is 10 seconds, 10 seconds flat in the 100. And in the Mm -hmm. 200, you have to run 20.2, 21, something like that. And basically those standards are really, really hard. And after that, it's basically based on your world rankings. But I'm trying to make it through the, um, through the, um, through basically the, the standard, the, the, the through the Olympic standard, because it is a little bit difficult. But be, but I think with how I've been training, how I've been putting in work in the, the fall training, the sky's the limit. And basically, yeah, I, I can't wait for that. And we were trying to take our relay team over there. We were, we were able to break our national record. This past summer, with we barely had any practice, we weren't even really practicing, like practicing handoffs, and we ran 39 seconds. So wow. you could see if we have some practice and we really lock in, do a relay camp, the sky's the limit with the relay team. But I, the relay team is fun and all, but I want to do it individually because I, I want to show that I can compete with some of the best sprinters in the world.
0: Absolutely, I I think you definitely have that opportunity. Uh, to do that you talked a little bit about the 400 meter race uh, with with four partners in the relay can you you tell me a little bit like what's the difference between like training for that like how difficult is setting up that timing with the four people in the relay
2: yeah so with our relay like running it at um, well at any level to be honest just getting four people on one accord and just passing the baton because essentially you just want to keep the stick going and you don't want to slow down so when one person goes and the next person goes, they can't slow down. You need that level of trust. And we were able to build that trust because we kind of knew each other. But to get to that stage where you're competing with other countries and a lot of other people that have that chemistry, it's all down to the relay exchanges, the trust that you have and the bond you guys have with each other. And I feel like that's one of the, my favorite relay races. The 4 by 4 is up there, too. But the 4 by one you need a lot of trust. And, like, you're trying to go basically under 40 seconds is who could – get the baton off faster, and every exchange is very key. So I feel like it's a very hard race because it's it's not just you. You have to rely on your teammates also.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying trying to think if I entered any particular country's relay team, if they could even qualify for the Olympics. I think probably not. you talking about going – basically, you have to go at least 10, 10 meters in 100 seconds, and that's including the start off and then slowing down to be able to get the baton – to your person and getting it there fast. I I think I I could immediately take, you know, like the Jamaican track team or the United States track team and immediately make them lose qualifications if I join join that. It's it's just insane. Like hearing 100 meters in 10 seconds, that's literally – like from the goal line to the back of an end zone on a football field in the blink of an eye, it's absolutely yeah. in, in, insane. I mean, uh, the, what you can do and what people across the the sport can do. Uh, let's, let's get a little bit more into the sport and into the sun conference. Uh, t- tell us where in the NAI and like, how does the sun conference compare to NAIA conferences? And, you know, I know y'all in Southeastern have really good teams, but how, how do you, Th- those teams compared to other teams in the NAIA?
2: I feel like compared to the NAIA, we have a lot of the top sprinters. Mm-hmm. I'll say that we have a lot of the top sprinters. And we have some 400 runners that, that's probably the best in the NAIA also. We have had a lot of success. Um, my, my teammate Marvin, you know, he won the four – well, he had – he was runner-up in the 400 hurdles, and he was a 110 hurdler in nationals too. He placed – so I feel like we have a lot of talent, especially in the hurdles and the sprints. But jumping-wise, I'll give it to to the other conferences. They're jumping. They're more – I, I want to say they're more jumping conferences. But I feel like this year we're making a lot of noise. Like a lot of people in our conferences have the top times in the nation already. So
0: – I remember last year during the national championship, uh, I think Southeastern was – I think they were number one – going into the last day or at some point, but then because of some, you know, jumping and field events like that, I believe the yeah. university ju- jumped up on top of them, which sucked, but uh, I guess it is called, technically called track and field for a reason.
2: Yeah. So I'll, I'll say spring-wise, we can dominate. I'm talking about across the board, not just like having one person in the team that's like all across the board. I feel like the Sun Conference, we had like in our finals, I feel like everyone in our finals went to to nationals. Right. And the one hundred and the two hundred, so that and in the four hundred we had three or four people go to the go to, to national, so we had a lot of sprinters, and I consider the eight hundred meter all the way up to the eight hundred meter a sprint now, so we had a lot of sprinters go up there to um to national, so I feel like sprinting wise the sun conference is very stacked and it's only up from there. We have a lot of good um competitors. Here's
0: another question for you that's just kind of you know. I have a basic low uh, track IQ. What's the difference between a 100-meter track athlete and an 800-meter track athlete? Like, what are you looking for in the difference between the two?
2: Um, So the main thing about a 100-meter track athlete, you have to have, like, a lot of power. And I guess you, you'll see they'll be a little bit more um stronger, a little bit more muscular. And okay. you'll even have some, you know, outliers that, you know, like Usain Bolt that's kind of tall. Uh, but they're still pretty ripped. And for an 800 meter sprinter, they're more of a, they're they have a lean build, but you still want to be able to be strong because nowadays you want to be able to to be able to do the 400. If you get what I'm saying, because you don't want to be just an 800 meter sprinter. You want to have some speed because you have to come in that first 400 pretty fast, and then you have another lap after that. So you need that distance space. I feel like it's the same thing for me. I'm a 100 meter sprinter, 100 200 meter sprinter but I still need to be able to have the capacity capacity to do the 4 by 4 and split like a 46 or 47 because you need that strength because it's not about how fast you can run, it's how long you can hold that speed for. And if you can do it multiple times, like if you run down the track and they call it back and you have to run it again, can you do it twice? So you need that, that strength also.
0: So it's pretty much you – you have to have both things you have to have the endurance part of it and you have to have the sprint part of it but if you're more of the long distance guys like okay we need to have more of that endurance but we still have to have a good bit of speed and if you're a sprinter you still have to have top end speed for short bursts but like you said if there is you know a misfire somebody false starts or you know xyz happens you got to be able to okay here we go again for you know whatever reason yeah Gotcha. So we talked about earlier about the Sun Conference has got a lot of good track athletes. Can you think of anybody in particular uh, that you really enjoyed competing against in the Sun Conference?
2: Um, Well, I have Yeltsin. He actually went to Weber. He was an All-American last year. He graduated. Well, the year before last year. Yeah. And then we had Alex Gray. He was the former Sun Conference champion. He was a great competitor that I raced against last year um, and the year before that. And we have from southeastern they have two really good sprinters he's ran 10-4 and then they have a really good all-around sprinter he can do the 100 200 400 and long jump and he's a really um his name is joseph taylor i love competing against him because he's a really great competitor he really pushes me to be my my best self and you know i broke the sun conference record last year in the 100 and the 200 and i'm looking to do it again this year but you know everyone's working to get that title because no one wants to lose. So that that's fun to to do. We're like we're all cool with each other. We all know each other. Track is just one of those those sports where you guys are like, oh, like I'm beat you in this race and then it's like line up. But you know, after the race, we'll all congratulate each other because we all just right. want to be able to 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 reach our fastest version and just push each other to be great.
0: I love hearing that. How there is that competitive family aspect, especially in this conference. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people uh, love to hear that. I need to go. I have to go back and listen uh, to this episode for sure. I got to write all all these names down so I keep a close eye on them for this coming up season.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, You told me earlier uh, off air that you were you didn't start track until your senior year of high school, correct?
2: Yeah. Well, I ran a little bit my junior year, but because I was doing other sports, I really just would just show up and run because they needed an extra person. So my my senior year was when I actually took it seriously. Like um, my coach, he's actually at Weber right now. My coach is at Weber. His name is Coach Ferguson. Shout out Coach Berg. He was the one that kind of went up to me, you know, after football season was done because I was playing football. for I I played the All-Star game and everything. He came up to me and he was like, oh, I saw what you did your junior year. Like you were able to go 10-9 without any kind of training, any kind of like, You know any kind of base i didn't even have any proper coaches we had like volunteer coaches that was just like you know showed me like the basics and then he was like if you really lock in you know give me four months i'll take you to like you know some heights you've never been to some take your body to where it's never been and i was like you know i don't know i'm able to detect if someone is like you know just feeding you something but he looked very like very serious so i like bought into what he was saying the program the although the hard work we had to put in and then I was able to like, I was runner up for districts. Then I was, I, I think I won regionals. I don't remember since it was like my senior year. And then after that I qualified for, for stage all in four months. Like that's not something that's like usually happens in track and field. And I went from 10, nine, yeah. one time my, my junior year and I was running 10, eight consistently. And then I peaked at 10, seven, I ran 21, six, 21, seven. And it was all through just, you know, trusting the process, having a good coach. And then Jask, right. I was a limit from there. He introduced me to um, the Haiti national coach. I was able to qualify for the junior team. And then from there, I've been able to um, represent Haiti in other national um, competitions. So I attribute him to that, that success I had on the track.
0: That's incredible. I mean, w- what a story. It, we hear a lot of like, oh, I started training for my sport at age six, seven, eight or whatever. And it's like you just had a guy given a talent and you found that out a little bit later That than most. Maybe, yeah. There's no doubt that you put in the work to build yourself into what you are now. Uh, Isaac, I can't thank you enough for coming on, man. I got one more Question for you. Actually, I guess it's kind of a a, a two a two-parter. Uh I was, yeah. Uh you, you've won a lot, obviously, in Miami Gardens. You're one of the most decorated track athletes in Sun Conference history. But do you have one moment uh for Saint Thomas and running for St. Thomas? Uh, and just a special moment, maybe at spe- you know, running for the Bobcats. Like does one favorite, one race kind of stick out to you or anything like that? Um, let me
2: think. I think it was probably the the hundred. It wasn't really miami gardens but i guess we'll say south florida um when we ran when i ran the 100 finals um when i ran it i felt really really good and i was i was happy that i won but i was just a bit disappointed because i was running because in track and field you don't want to run for a time you just want to run fast and then the time will come but i was really running to go 10-1 and every time i look back at the race i get very frustrated because before i even crossed the line i was kind of celebrating already and that kills milliseconds off the time and i ended up going 10 23 and like i was aiming to go at least 10 1 10. 19 or better at that race because i was peaking i was like my training was no one was going to be able to stop me at that race but um yeah that I, that was what the most memorable because i won off course and i broke the sun conference record but i was a little bit disappointed because i wanted to run faster so. Yeah, that's one thing I, I got a, a bad habit. just Not to sell – I wouldn't say it's showboating. It's just when you're excited, you're going so no, fast. No, I get it. for just, sure. Yeah, yeah, I was really excited. And then I kind of broke my form towards the end, and then I kind of leaned a bit too early, and then that kind of messed up my time that I, I could have got. Let
0: so, me ask you this I, I, I lot. I do have one more question for you, man. Can, are we going to see a 10-0 at some point this season?
2: That's the plan. I'm trying to open up. So the plan, I didn't want to share the plan, but I'm gonna say it anyway. So the I people like that do me. hear this, yeah. No, the plan, the way I'm training, the the the, the slowest I wanna run opening up is at least ten five. Because mm-hmm. with ten five, I know okay, I'm in shape, I can work around that. But I'm trying to go ten oh, like probably I wanna do it the first the first meet, just be able to like, you know, make everyone like, okay, like I gotta start running, but if it's Set not there, it. the con- but if the conditions are right, the wind is blowing, I'm pretty sure I can run a nice 10-0 this season.
0: It's all about having a nice little headwind, right?
2: Yeah. And nice weather. The tra- train is going perfect. Everything is good. I'm pretty sure I can, I can do it this season. If not at conference, I want to do it before conference. So everyone is like, I want us to have probably one of the fastest conferences in the whole NAIA. Like, because we have someone that came from the NAIA. He just ran – one of the top times in the 60 meters this year, he ran 654, which is, you know, we're, in, we're the NAI, but we're able to compete with D1 schools. So I want us to make that kind of noise, and I want to set that standard, and then that's going to push all my competitors to want to run faster, and it's going to be an interesting Sun Conference finals this
0: year. When's the first time we can see you and some other Sun Con? I've I, just completely lied. I I, I have more. Que- I keep getting more questions. Ask, <laughs> uh, when can we see you and uh, maybe some other Sun Conference athletes go up against some Division One competition?
2: Um, our first one where we compete against Division One competitions is going to be our UM where we run at UM. That one's televised. I can't give you the exact date right now, but I know it is in March, somewhere okay. in March. But my first competition is going to be home, at our brand-new track that's being built, February 18th. So that's going to be my season opener. So I'm looking forward to make some noise with that first meet.
0: St. Thomas has got a lot of nice stuff coming in with athletics. First the football field and now a new track. Hey, hey, yeah. Y'all right down there in Miami Gardens. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, Isaac, again, just thank get, cannot thank you enough, man, for coming on. Really appreciate you. Uh, first track out. Oh, thank you for having me absolutely man if you got anything else you want to add it's all you if not i'm all good man
2: oh i almost forgot to mention my friend Lightfoot. he's another good competitor from kaiser that you have to watch out for so vendero lightfoot one of my key competitors that's been pushing me two in the 200 so
0: all right man hey thank you so much hey have a good night yeah. everybody thank you for tuning into the episode Likewise.